Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 145 of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, guest today is uh, Jimmy Canales. Um, and actually, Jimmy, this is the longest I've gone through with lists of titles for people. Because usually I'm like, <laughs> what do you do? And they just kind of tell me. So I'm going to kind of rattle through a few titles. We'll strip it all back and then we'll, we'll let you kind of go through it. So Jimmy is, well, this is not, this, he's a councilman for Ward 1 in the city of Plattsburgh. So that's a newer position. Um, he's also a pastor of the Ark in Plattsburgh. He's the vice president of Skycom, owner-operator of Skylar, and pronounce that right? Yeah, Skylar. Okay, yep, Skylar. 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 And then he's also part of Landry, which includes Landry uh, Simulation in Plattsburgh and Landry Deco, which is um, well, again, I think new, but we'll get into that. And a veteran of the United States yes. military. Yes, sir. So you wear a lot of hats. So Jimmy, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm and uh, I'm. I've known you now not not too long, a couple years at this point, but um, you're a fascinating guy. I've it always seems anytime I like start to learn more about you, I'm like, wait, you do this and do that and do this. So you have you have a lot of balls in the air. A whole lot. It's a juggling act. I try my best. Uh, you know, it it it, it takes uh, a village to raise a child, but it takes a village also to uh, raise proper etiquette and entrepreneurship and that's what people fail to understand it's entrepreneurship businesses are babies so you, you need a community of people and uh, like i always say family over everything and that's i'm blessed enough to have a good family and a good family unit for us to be able to do these businesses now most of these are most of these are with family yeah, every I mean, single with, one with of these, them are obviously very involved in pretty much everything same absolutely thing, right? I put it right down on almost all that and then um so where did you get the background for entrepreneurship? Like, how did that come about? Well, I mean, I guess I've always been a rare one since I was young. My mom and dad said I didn't know what the word no meant. And I've just always been like so much of a maverick and a trailblazer. And, and um, when the rubber meets the road, this this desire to always want to do good for all has and, and entrepreneurship really came in the test bed of the Marine Corps. You know, I held uh, very high levels of leadership at a very young age in the Marine Corps and being in charge of several hundred Marines at a time from, you know, the age of 25. I was in charge of 450 people at 25 at the rank of staff sergeant. So it, it, it very much unheard of. But uh, the leadership training and the skills and the abilities that I was taught there, the knowledge, skills and, and abilities there um, really helped set an order and a disciplined mind in order for me to be able to look out into entrepreneurship. The reason why I got out of the Marine Corps and didn't do my 20, I ended up 11 years active and I did three years um, reserves, so 14 total years. The reason why I got out is because I'm extremely an outside the box thinker. While things may be good to do, you know, well, this is the, I, one of the worst phrases I cannot stand to hear is this is the way it's always been done. 
I can't stand hearing that because it talks, it, it shows passivity. It shows procrastination. And at the end of the day, it shows that you're a stick in the mud and you're not willing to move. If you stop learning, you stop living. And so I'm, I'm the type of person that I don't, I can't, it's not that I can't stand still. I'm always looking for process improvement. And if we're doing something good, then let's get great. If we're doing something great, then how can we be better of service to the people that we're serving? So the entrepreneurship aspect is, I look at it like this. Nobody wants to take risks and nobody wants to take on liabilities. I'm in the business of taking liabilities and turning them into assets. That's where all this has come from. Um, So one of the things that, I remember talking with you probably about 18 months ago. Um, and, and I still think of this and kind of to put the way like the stick in the mud idea it was you said, yeah, I remember you writing that down on a, on a book and it stuck with me because yet meaning it's just, it's, it's not that it won't be done or can't be done. It's just not done yet. And it doesn't mean we're not going to work towards it. doesn't mean that, or, or even we're going to strive to have that done. Um, but like kind of explain the mindset of like, yeah, because that's all you wrote on the paper. I mean, I got it as soon as you wrote it. I'm like, it's so such a simple three-letter word, but it, it had like such a packful, like it literally just punched you in the stomach. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. You know, in regard to, I'm just going to use Plattsburgh locally. Plattsburgh and, you know, B says this all the time. We're on the cusp of greatness here, but nobody wants. And I said, yeah, yet. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Well, it's all about getting the right people at the right table. And, you know, we're here at a table right now. You got the right person for this interview. There's only one Jimmy Canales, and I understand and know that, but there's only one GT. Mm-hmm. And so getting the right people at the right table in the right room for the right reasons. So, yes, uh, Plattsburgh is on the cusp of doing greatness. We absolutely are. We're not there yet. So since we're not there yet, we have to understand and know, okay, we see a disparity in uh, income coming into the city. How do we fix that? Well, Jimmy, you should become a councilman. Okay, so I'll become a councilman. So now I'm a councilman. Now I can see the inner workings and the processes of the city and where things have been a block for forward progression. So while it's not now, it's not yet. We have to get to the point of... If it's not yet, we need to make the yet into a now. Get the right people in place. Get the right uh, tools in place. We're, we're stuck in the 70s. We're coming out. I think Plastic is probably, if I had to put a date on it, we're about like 83 right now. Okay, we're getting, we're getting there. But we need to get to 2021, about to go into 2022. So we're not there yet. But while we're not there yet, we have progress. And there's, there's a lot of things that need to be made up. Uh, in between there so until we get there it's always going to be a not yet it's not a not never though um when you focus on like you got business you have you know you have your uh your church you have your you know obviously now the city as a, as a public uh you know official when you look at all that when you it's all your goal is always just to be better like always to improve like you said find the find the efficiency find the because um, that's a lot of my long-term goals which i think a lot of them having known you now sync up a lot because a lot of it's the betterment of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm very passionate about this area. Cause I mean, I have never moved around. This is like born, raised, had no desire to move. Um, just, I just like the area, like the people I had friends, family. Um, but for my, my idea and long-term plan, like I, I write down all the way, like actively write down 30 year plans. Like I go 50, mm-hmm. I mean, I may, I'd be 80 something at that point, but when I look at 10, 20, 30 year goals, 
a lot of it is not like I rate one, three, five, 10, 20, and 30 year goals. 20 and 30 are like themes. They're ideas. They're, mm-hmm. they're big macro ideas that I then strip down to what can I do today? Yeah. Like that's a huge goal. Like it would be so overwhelming if you're actually trying to do it. And I know I got a lot of time. I got a lot of people to meet. I got a lot of things to accomplish, mm-hmm. but if I strip it back down to what am I doing today, this week, this month, this, you know, this afternoon, am I working towards someone that I know could be in that position? Or am I working towards something that at the end of the day, kind of the conversation we had earlier today, it's like, can we, you know, work together and make something really cool that is going to leave a long-term lasting impact and not just like, Hey, let's, you know, it's transactional or this is something we want to do tomorrow for, so we can have something, a quick reward. It's like, let's work long-term and really build something. Right. So is that kind of like you with the businesses knowing that I'm never going to accomplish the long-term goals? Cause the long-term goals always is at the end of the day is just to keep getting better. So you try yeah. to leave your mark but at a certain point you're going to pass and it's like, Hey, hopefully it's better today than when I was here or when I started. And you can kind of pick it up and move it down, you know, a generation and let, you know, our children take care of it, our grandchildren take care of it, our great grandchildren. And then you're like, but you're, you're starting that motion. And, uh, I know I'll never accomplish it, which is what I want. Cause I don't want to mm-hmm. stop playing the game, you know? So what's your thought on that? Like, well, the reason why I've gone forth into all these different vectors and areas is because I am, uh, you know, you hear the old saying, a jack of all trades, a master of none. I'm a jack of all trades and a master of most. And that's what people don't want to get to. They just want to be hands, hands in everything, you know, spreading their self in 10 different projects. Well, if it's 100%, you'll never get to it because you're spreading yourself in 10 different projects. You can only allocate 10% of yourself across the board. So I try to stay within threes. Because if I'm going hard in on three different things, I could give 33.33333 infinity of myself to those three projects. But what I do and the reason why I focus so heavy in on these different vectors is I'm not trying to replicate myself and other people. I'm trying to teach them the greatness that they are and to look at their weaknesses and enhance their strengths by empowering those weaknesses to get them strong in those places. So there's that side. The other side of it, these long-term goals. You know, one of my greatest mentors, Joe Shusko, uh, he's a lieutenant colonel retired from the Marine Corps. He, the last day of me being in the Marine Corps, he called me into his office and he said, get me that binder off the shelf. I got the binder. He said, what does it say on the side? And I said, the obituary of Joseph Shusko. And he said, read it. And I'm reading his obituary and I'm just reading the things and I see things that he wrote from the very beginning all the way to about the middle were things that have already happened. And then I'm looking at the rest of it and I'm like, well, this is empty. And what he told me was so profound. He said, I wrote that obituary 20 years ago. My job, my long-term goal is when that is read that it's not a lie. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So exactly. That's my long-term goal is to live up to my obituary that I, I'm, it's hard for me to even get to it. But that's my long-term goal is wherever I go, the friendless has a friend. Wherever I go, the one that's down and out has someone to lift them up. Where I go, those that need an advocate have an advocate. Wherever I go, those that need a counselor have a counselor. Wherever, I, you know, it's, it's about the common good and doing what Jesus did. And I'm going to throw his name out there. I'm a pastor. I can't help, yeah. I can't help it. Uh, but he went about doing good for all people. He was a philanthropist. This, this uh, 
you know, poor Jesus that people talk about, I don't know who he is because the Bible says that he went about doing good, which means philanthropy, mm-hmm. money. Um, and so I just tried my best to do and to be exactly what God created me to be. And my focus is to instill that into other people, which is why I go so heavy into entrepreneurship. Now, regarding the long-term goals, I said the obituary, that's my long-term goal. But we are in the day and age now where long-term goals and even thinking past a year, you can't do anymore. Just changes so, so fast. It changes so fast. So now my aspect is, okay, I'm going to do a one-week goal. I'm going to do a one-month goal. And I'm going to do a one-quarter goal. And that will, that will solidify a little to the left or a little to the right the trajectory of where I'm going to go in that one year. And based off of the outcome, we have something coming up that we're going to be working on together and we're extremely excited about, but we're going about it on a one day by day, one week and one month and one quarter. And then once we get to that and we're going to see more plainly a landscape of where this may go, we can only operate based off of what's right in front of us. It's just having enough light to see the path in front of you one step at a time. So while I want to have this huge grand scheme of 30 year goal, 50, so I am, if COVID taught me anything, it's you have to live for today, today. And so we all have to get outside of that mindset. I can accomplish more GT in four hours than what many have been able to do in four months. And the reason for that is because our mindset gets wrapped around this eight-hour day that was made during the industrial boom of our nation. I can get more people out. I can get more work done in eight hours a day with industrial building than office work, whatever. So now we're doing this off of that structure, and it's dead. I can, Like I said, schooling has taken on that, that route. And industries are still doing that. Eight-hour workday. I have some people that work for me that after four hours, I'm like, you're good to go. I'm not going to pay to babysit you for the next four. So the entrepreneurship full circle to the why have I gone into these things and what is the goal? The goal is to first and foremost uh, enhance critical vulnerabilities in infrastructures, in systems, and in people. People first. I love uh, what Charles Brunson, is that his name, for Virgin Mobile? Oh, Richard. Richard Branson. Yeah. Uh, one of his greatest sayings, and I, I definitely live by, is he said, train employees good enough to leave to another business mm-hmm. or to start their own business, but treat them good enough that they never want to leave. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I take that into every single aspect of business. The greatest capital we will ever have is the human capital. So no matter if it's in politics, no matter if it's in church, no matter if it's in business, I do my best to invest heavily into the human capital because without them, we won't have the fluid capital. I think one of the things that I, Richard Branson said also was, um, Something along the lines of you don't work, or your client's not number one. It's your, it's your, basically it's your staff. It's, it's your, your employees it's are your, your first customers. Exactly. And he said, you, and most people say you take care of the clients first, take care of your clients. And then they'll take, and it goes, no, you take care of your people and your people will be so, like I said, so empowered to do whatever they do day to day that only good can come out of their work. And, and that's something that I focus a lot on, um, I want to implement it more, but it's stuff that I'm learning because like when you say leadership, like I've coached in the past, like athletics and that was a leadership position. And you know, you 
maybe a captain of a sports team, but then when you get thrown into like, I would say real life, like, I mean, sports mm-hmm. are fun, but you know, it's more of a recreational thing. When you get thrown into real life, we got people that are relying on jobs and, and relying a, a lot on my effort to provide opportunity for them. Like I take a responsibility on that. And to me, it's like, I really don't, I don't want to screw it up. Like I'm like, yeah. how do I learn? Cause if they're coming here and putting trust into me and everybody has self doubts, like I, I doubt myself all the time, but I try to push that out really quick and try to, you know, remove a doubt and try to replace it with some kind of positive outlook or glass mm-hmm. half. I'm, I'm a pretty glass half full guy, but there's still times where you're like, man, I just, it's a tough hill to climb, but okay. Like you said, let's find, let's find, you know, let's find that path or let's find that way that we can work around an obstacle. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's challenging, but again, it's, it makes you a better person. You know what I mean? Like if it's- it does, you know, the greatest Marine Corps leadership principle that I, that I definitely grasp hold of is knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement you cannot be a good leader if you don't know where your blind spots are which means you have to have people in your life that can pull you to the side and give you a correction a rebuke or let you know hey uh gt i can tell that you're tired you coffee's not going to help this you need to go home and rest mm-hmm. uh you haven't eaten today you need to eat how much water have you drank today you need to give your kidneys a break and drink some water. Having those people in your life to help you to know yourself and to seek self-improvement is extremely crucial to being uh, effective in any manner of leadership. When you don't have that, and this is a problem here, people don't want to know. They, they know who they truly are, but they refuse to seek the self-improvement. They What they do instead is they point and project their deficiencies onto others. And when you do that, you you... You rob yourself of being a true whole person. And that's what people here in general need. They need to be whole in who they are and be okay with who they are. If you're okay and being okay with you doesn't mean you're pushing off who you are to other people. It's that this is who I am. I know my errors. I know that I have areas to improve. But as a leader, we get discouraged continually because we are innovative we're motivative we're trying to you know do things that have not been done here in this region and the first thing that comes out of people's mouths well you you can't do that well why well because that's not how we do it that doesn't matter that just means that's not how you're comfortable doing things and we need to get as leaders get outside our comfort zone every single day Try to improve on one, beat GT from yesterday, beat Jimmy from yesterday. That's my competition. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, there's, there's plenty of concrete businesses here. There's plenty of Mylar mirror businesses here. There's plenty of administrative companies that do admin like we do with Skycom, but I'm not competing against them. They're not my competition. Mm-hmm. Jimmy from yesterday is. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the reason I like that when I got in, so this is my 11th year in real estate and I, I remember year one, I was like, I want to be the best agent. I want to be the top agent. I want to be the top producer. It's leaderboard. I played sports. I'm like, I'm like mm-hmm. I can like, I just want to be better than everybody else. But yeah. it wasn't to say that I was better than someone else, but it's like, if I know someone else can do it, then why can't I do it? Because I know it's possible. Exactly. And then I looked at it as, how are you going to do it? I don't know. I gave myself 10 years. I said, I'm going to 10 years. Cause I figured 10 years is a realistic time frame. Now could I have maybe done it quicker? Maybe, but I would have, I think a lot of that early years, cause I was a young kid, I was early twenties. Like you're still trying to figure stuff out and you don't have a full grasp on the, mm-hmm. you know, even, even, uh, the business I was in. And I remember 
even to this day, I never compared myself to other people. I would look at what they were doing. So I kind of had a, I, 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 I could gauge kind of the temperature of the real estate landscape, but I wasn't looking at someone else's success and saying, let me tear that person down. It motivated me because I was like, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're doing double what I'm doing, then I'm I'm not, I'm doing my work. And, and to be honest, they're probably more established. So I got to work four times as hard to do double, yeah. you know, and it, it's, and I put that work in, um, I mean, just such a, a grind for a while, probably five, four or five, like really solid years of just like nonstop, just did it. And then, but every day it was like, I just want to compare myself to myself. And mm-hmm. even to this day, I, I look at other stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't care social media. Like I'm, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. I follow a lot of other agents. Most of the time I don't even check their posts. Cause I don't care. Cause I'm like, I don't care what they post. I don't care what house they sold. I don't care. Cause to me it's, that's not the, like I'm very much inside these four walls and then other people in the community that I have relationships with. And then not necessarily real estate, but other people that, like you said, trying to build people up, like, if I have friends that are starting businesses or if I have friends that I know want to get into a position or if I have, mm-hmm. like, how can I help them? And I look at, they're more important to me than the other competition. And it was the, the other day I had a conversation with, um, it was another broker locally and they basically called me up and they asked me a question about, um, something that a way I go about doing business that they didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And they basically were saying like, you're like, you're not, you're basically not doing your job or you're not. And I thought about it and I said, okay, well, you know, I, I like, I appreciate you letting me know this. Now I don't agree with you, but I appreciate letting me know this. Cause then it got my mind thinking. Then it really was like a solidified. I'm like, and I actually thought, I thought of you with the yet thing. I'm like, no, you only disagree with this because it's the way you've always done it and the way the industry, like, let me ask you, is that the most efficient way? The way you're doing it, is that the most efficient way? Mm-hmm. And if they truly sat and thought about it, they would say, well, absolutely not. And I said, and I, I didn't bring it to that level. I didn't need right. to. It was to me at that point. I'm like, I'm not trying to like bring yeah, that sure. person up. No, no, no. But it, for me, it was like, I had this dialogue in my head and I kept, I'm like, you know, I'm like, no, I didn't know. Like, I, I don't think that's taking a step back. And I want to work on, you talked about being progressive or innovative. Like how in our business, when we talk about just, I mean, just social media in general, I was the first person to dive into that because I'm like, I know where the future is going. I can see mm-hmm. where it's going. I can see how c- humans are consuming information. I see how humans are interacting. Now, do I like interacting over social media as much as I do in person? No, I'd rather see people in person, but it's a catalyst to get there. Absolutely. And for me, well, I mean, you're, 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 uh, you're, you're could I classify you as a TikTok influencer now? Yes, yeah, I so, am. So I've got it like we've but, got yeah. over like fifteen thousand followers or something. I know, growing. It's insane, it's, it's I know. That was in one month. I, I you I get notified. I don't go on TikTok often, but I get notified. You post almost every day. Yeah, and I get notified when you post. And sometimes I watch, and sometimes I just see it go quickly. And I'm you know I doing stuff, but um, but you see the ba- the value of hey, I don't really get on TikTok, and maybe you do because it's the creative aspect. But you look at it as this allows me to you know, connect with more people, spread my message, um, and find like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's a platform that I otherwise in decades ago, never would have had the chance. I would never would have met that person in Michigan or in Arizona or, you know, in Washington state. Man, we've got people that we influence in every, you can name it in, in Africa, uh, Europe, the Philippines, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Korea, uh, Russia, like the list goes on of the people that 
are our followers on social media. And, you know, people will always, I would love to say this, people be people. All right. People will always be people. And if you really want to find out your mark and who is really for you, I think that friends are the most fickle people in the world. I'd rather have family that I am born into and family that I choose and grow into. Mm -hmm. And uh, you always find out who is for you when you start a business on moving day, or if you start a ministry, you do something that's different, that's never been done, you will find out who's really for you. Mm -hmm. And um, just being able to shut those, it's not shutting off those people more than it is shutting off the negativity, because you will go internal. But by internal, what I mean is you will allow the extrinsic factors of your life and the voices that are outside of your head intrinsically impact and infect who you are and it'll be a showstopper it'll it'll grip you with procrastination it'll grip you with anxiety it'll grip grip you with fear and when you have all those three together you'll go into a a low swaying depression and then you become a non-producer and so that's where then the competition comes into play that where you'll start looking at social media and you'll see well Sally Sue and Jimmy Bob, you know, they're married. They've been married for four years, but they've got this, this, this. They're multimillionaires and all that. And then comparison then becomes the thief of joy. And then you have no joy in your life. Mm -hmm. So you cannot compare yourself full circle to anybody else other than yourself. You have to just be better one day. In Japan, they call it Kaizen. It's 1% better to at least learn one new thing, perfect one new thing, and to become 1% better than you were the day prior. Um, how do you, how do you manage all this in your life? Cause by I, the grace of God, <laughs> like we talk about like you work in, um, cause I guess the two things is the time wise, you said you work maybe in like a four hour block or do you work, um, or you talked about uh, having like daily or weekly goals versus long term. I'm assuming when you say that, meaning you have like a, like a long-term kind of projection of yeah. what you want to do, but it's not necessarily defined, but it, you kind of know the route you want your life to go. Absolutely. But then you, you don't get overwhelmed that you're not hitting a, a three-year goal because you're like, let me just break it down really like I'm work. I know it's like working towards what I want overall in my life, but the fine details, you only stretch out maybe 90 days. Say I wanted to be a multimillionaire in three years. This is just a whatever. Say someone wanted to be, and I'm not saying me, say someone wanted to be a multimillionaire in three years' time. They have to make at least, just to make $1 million, you have to make about $2,500 a day. So what are you doing to diversify yourself? So I have to look on a granular daily basis. While I may only have four hours, I can tell you right now, with counsel, that's at least 30 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, with pastoring, that never ends. Uh, Skycom, Skylar, Landry Simulation, Landry Deco. I go to sleep and waking up with that. So it's while certain things may be four hours working days for other people, for entrepreneurs, it's not. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a millionaire, a multimillionaire, it's definitely not a four-hour day. It's a all day, mm-hmm. every day, and diversifying and knowing where, you know, okay. If I want to expand my footprint in social media, then I have to go into, the, and this is what we did with TikToks. Um, 
the reason why we went viral and exploded. I mean, one of our one of our videos has like over a million views. Which one is it? Uh, when I'm talking about Peter Pan. I watched that. One. <laughs> you were getting into it, yeah. Oh man! And I, and I started reading the comments on that. Oh, one, dude! And it was like I call them TikTok theologians. People are going off and saying oh, false prophets. Oh, you're you're. Oh, there was going to hell. Wild, like, there was some up. wild stuff on there. I mean, it was like I mean, obviously that's a it is a very. Uh, passionate subject for a lot of people but it was i started reading through and some people were like great and some people and you got your responses were good to it but it was like <laughs> but and i think you do, you you have a good uh sarcastic kind of like oh, you know yeah. humorous kind of uh undertone i think to a lot of, i mean a lot of seriousness but then also you you do use like a lot of like yeah i just i just like I, I i'm 100 percent emphatically me yeah and that's what people can't stand because wait <laughs> well you're supposed to be a councilman so why aren't you wearing a suit and tie and all this and i show up some days i mean i've got this is how i this is how i like actually this is how i'm similar you're, you're yeah. a better dresser than i am but we've dressed basically about the same level of uh casual yeah it's yeah. like it's like business casual for 2021 yes <laughs> all right it. it's a but i i, I go in with my my snap my snapback hats and uh you've been wearing that a lot i've been wearing my lakers hat i don't care what anybody says i'm not a lebron fan i'm, I'm a lakers fan i've been a lakers fan when everybody was jocking the chicago bulls <laughs> I, I man it's it back in the day magic and bird like everybody knows anyways East Coast, west coast yeah yeah so i mean i've got over 100 tattoos i i've I'm brown in the North Country. Like, let's yeah. go, the, the list goes on and you on. You drive a Hellcat. <laughs> I drive a Hellcat. I've got earrings in both ears. Uh, I I believe in the Second Amendment. I mean, and I'm always carrying. So yeah. there's, I'm just such an anomaly. Yeah. And I don't fit in anybody's box. And that is what people cannot stand. And that's what I was saying earlier about just being who you are, who God created you to be. Uh, this is it. You're not going to get anything more or less. Um. Typically, when I talk to you about people, I'm like, do you know Jimmy? And they either say yes or no. And so what does he do? I'm like, well, I know he does this and this. And then I said, he, he's kind of a hard person to describe because you, like, you just got to meet him. Yeah, it's like, you just, yeah, it's, it's like, you just got to meet him. He's a great guy. He just, I just don't really know. There's not like one thing you could really say and say, well, this is what he does because he does that at the same level as that. He does the same level. And I think, and what kind of that goes back to your thesis or, or, the idea of like, how do I become a jack of all trades, but a master of many, which I, I've, I've never heard that, but I love it. And that's how I, f I feel about you. I'm like, he, well, I, I mean, he does all these things, but he doesn't at a, uh, I would say a fairly high level. Um, and not just like having the title on his name and being like, I'm just, you know, I sit on the board of something, but I don't, so, I'm not involved. So my actual trade craft is instructional systems, design curriculum development. I'm a learning architect. I, when I worked for the government outside of the Marine Corps, I was known as a human learning subject matter expert. That is a nice way of saying I'm a people hacker. So I know how to hack into the people, uh, into the granular level of one individual, find out how they learn, and then create learning environments conducive to their pattern of learning. And with that, I've created a doctorate level degrees like doctorates degrees for regents uh university and cybersecurity, and uh, i think you know people laugh at it but i don't care university of phoenix i don't care yeah. but uh, you know but popular legit yeah so i've i've created these degrees as a as an instructional systems designer and all this other stuff but i don't have a doctorate in education which is what 
you're yeah. supposed to have to do these doctorate level things because you're you're creating learning management systems and using uh you know e-learning authoring tools to create environments conducive for the transfer of knowledge so i i take excellence and i'm an eternal student so like i said if you stop learning you stop living the very moment you you decide that i've learned everything i've obtained everything and i've arrived you've stopped existing at that point Mm -hmm. and so that's why there is a level of excellence in everything that i do i do not want to do anything that i know that i won't do well what a and that's how you pick and choose what you get into. Yeah. What um, how do you keep yourself accountable, or how do you, what metric do you judge yourself by? Have you met my amazing wife? She's fantastic. She works twenty hours a day. I I, I believe it. She, she works twenty hours a day. She's my metric. She is my blind spot checker. And then I have three incredible daughters that are extremely brilliant, and I can't get away with crap around them. Um. I just, I have my, my stepfather-in-law, Whitney's stepdad. Mm-hmm. He's extremely brilliant, ex- you know, an entrepreneur. Um, I, I'm the one that listens to his thoughts and create businesses off of it for him. You know, So he's a visionary. He's an extreme visionary, but there is an art to an articulation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that's never talked about in communication, and that's lacking. It's, there's an artistry to articulating someone's idea and making it materialize. So um, I look at Whitney, my wife, and I see how hard of a worker she is. She doesn't complain. She grinds. She she looks out for other people. She's the type of person you give her a dollar, she'll make it a million. She's legitimately that person. Mm-hmm. So she is, she is my parameter. She is my blind spot checker. Um, she is my greatest advocate. Uh, that's that's how that's how I've become excellent in everything. While my parents raised a son, Whitney made me a man, mm-hmm. and I I stay to that truth that uh, she's not just my wife; she's my partner; she's my best friend. She I I, um, I I'm probably gonna I'll invite her on at some point because like I said, she's oh, she, she's one that just having the the few interactions and seeing from afar of stuff she's done, like she's a absolutely brilliant person. Mm-hmm. Like and uh, you know like, I find that. Like I, I have friends, like I have, I have groups of friends that I talk to and, you know, you, you, you know, pass ideas back and forth and you ask them questions and they, like I said, they call you out on stuff and it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. like, uh, busy. I mean, he's one that I talk to all the time and I bounce ideas and he's, he's good. I have a few other people that I talk to, you know, weekly or daily. And, and I think having that, and these are, aren't people that are in my office or people outside cause they mm-hmm. see me in a different light. They see like. Galen as a person and then you know and they kind of look at the macro stuff or even like the small micro that's mm-hmm. affecting this and they say listen that's wrong or this is wrong or stop doing this or stop stressing about this and um but i think it's powerful when i love my wife she's not like you and whitney work i mean on a business level on a obviously in a spiritual level on a family level me and my my wife like it's much more like family level you know yeah. like she's she's home with the kids but she's she i mean appreciates what i do but i'm not at home like really discussing like business strategy with her cuz it's she's which is good it allows me to go home and just like shut that part of my brain mm-hmm. off and just focus on you know my three kids my uh, my wife and um so how do you guys how are you able to work together so like so like synergistically like you just on the same page it it's intention you have to be intentional. 
I mean, that's in any relationship. If, like I was telling you earlier, you need to have those blind spot checkers. If I know that Whitney's not at 100, I do what I have to because I need her at 100 in order for me to optimally perform at 100%. So I'm not there just to, hey, you're doing this wrong, doing that wrong. I'm there to, I'm not going to ask her, hey, you need, have you eaten today? I just go get her food. Mm -hmm. I just go get her water. I know what type of ice she likes. There's a certain type of ice that Whitney likes the best because she just likes water bottle. Yeah, because she just likes she likes oh glass of water with ice in it. But there's certain cubes that are better for chewing. So she likes a certain. This is like the ice bottle water you get in the store. Okay. No, she likes. There's a certain type of ice cube that Whitney likes that's better on the teeth. Apparently, so I just get her that ice with water. You know. Uh, I know what's her favorite water. I So it's being able to cater to to her in the manner that she needs in order to optimally perform. If I know that she's burning out, I got to pull her away somehow, some way. Let's go over here for a ride. Let's go here. Oh, well, I have this to do. I understand that, but you're falling under. And she'll tell me all the time, you need to go take a nap. You need to go eat. Uh, you need to go work out. Or you, you, need, to, you need to go do this. You, you need to do this. And we are extremely honest with each other and we do not communicate, GT, hear me. We don't communicate to prove who's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. That's where people fail in business and that's where people fail in marriage is they do not know how to communicate without articulating what needs to be done in a manner that it'll get done. I shouldn't be on the defensive all the time or I shouldn't be on the offensive and vice versa. We have to listen and communicate in a manner that things are being produced. So it is a balancing act. It's easy when you're married to someone like her. It's hard when you're married to someone like me. So, uh, our children balance that out because we have three comedians in the house. Uh, they're hilarious. They're so funny. Um, but we even listen to their ideas on what we should do with business, on what we should do with ministry. They weigh in on my daughters, 15, 12, and nine do not miss a live stream of our ministry or a live stream of the city council. And they hear everything about business. They've been in, uh, our oldest is being groomed to be a, a, a lawyer. And so she has been in business meetings, listening to our lawyers, and then gives her parts and everything. So when I said earlier that family is everything and how are we able to optimally perform in all these areas, it's because of that. Family legitimately is everything. So we don't do every, anything outside of our family. But with Whitney and I in our relationship, uh, you know, personally and professionally, and ministerially, we have to do so where we ask if we consult each other first before doing anything. We have to be on the same level. And then it's take take business. We know you know what you want to accomplish in business, and then it's not like you telling each other to do stuff. It's just like I got this. I'm going to own this. I'm going to take that. And I ask her continually, "How can I help you? I need you to do this, 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 and this." Okay, if I do that, that's going to be taking away from this person's responsibilities. That's not my vector of uh, or area of expertise, but I will do it excellently because I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. I want to help. When she comes with business ideas, I'm the type of per. I'm I'm the best cheerleader. Yes, let's do that. But then I'm also the same person that the other side of my profession and trade is kind of like bus- the low strip you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's the bit. Yeah. No, yeah. don't touch that. Put that back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. 
Um, but it's it's I'm a business development and uh, research and development guy. That's how we got Skylar. I researched over 275 companies internationally to create this mirrorless mirror mirror for the flight simulation industry. That was it was going end of life. Nobody had it anymore. Anything which was a multi-billion dollar portion of the industry. I found the only company in the world to create it and partnered with them. That's what Skylar is. Now, is that part of, um, is that the, is that? That's under Landry Simulation. That is under Landry. So Landry Simulation is kind of like a holding company for multiple things, or, or maybe not, that's so, a uh, legal technical term, but. Crossgate Holding Company is the holding company, the overarching everything for everything. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Crossgate Holding Company owns Landry. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, Landry go. Simulation, Landry Deco, Landry Rentals. Um, what else does it? Oh, there's like seven different businesses that are under Crossgate. And, and Crossgate then, is your you guys. That's you, your family, or that's uh, yep. That's that's Claude and, and Maria Landry. Gotcha. That's uh, Whitney is the CFO for that, and for everything else. So um, so um, the one thing that fascinates me, like. Cause I know you've spoken about, um, your daughters, but then also the idea of like, you just talk about like them learning and them just understanding it. So, like that, that part, cause what's one thing I want to do when my kids get older, it's that I want them to not, I found that when I was a kid, like here I was a senior in high school learning about retirement plans and stock market and, and just basic life skills that mm-hmm. take up majority of your time, stress and energy as you get older. I'm like, this was not even communicated. And I hear I was as a legal adult going out into like the real world. Mm-hmm. And I look at, you know, so if you're nine year olds watching city council meetings and, and not saying like, Oh my God, I have to sit here and watch it. But, but actively and interestingly looking at it and then understanding the complexities of a local municipality and mm-hmm. how business works. And then you take, like you said, you take the ministry and add that in there too. And it's like you, you hit with so many different angles where it's allowing them Almost, uh, you know, like a river rock. It just gets, oh, yeah. It just keeps getting just, polished Yeah, polished nice and, and smoothed over. You can turn glass. If you throw glass in front of a tumbling, you know, uh, a waterfront that has nothing but rocks on it, and it just keeps crashing, 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 eventually that piece of shard is going to come nice and smooth. Yeah. And that's it, what it is. It almost feels like kind of an analogy for your daughters. They're just like they're experiencing so much that they're only going to be the best version of themselves because of real-life examples, like sitting down and listening to, you know, legal you know attorneys talking you know legalities of of businesses that your daughter most likely knows more than i do about that stuff you know mm-hmm. if it's really to kind of put she'd be like <laughs> kind of looking at her and she's just like do, 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 she's part stuff. of youth Corps, model un i mean all yeah. this other stuff but here's the thing everybody looks at a diamond in the rough and thinks that's the most expensive diamond it's not it has to go through a process if you give it to the right people mm-hmm. and the more facets and the more brilliance the more color the more clarity that you get in that diamond it le- it raises the value so yeah we have all these vectors that we're in we're diamonds and it's pressure with no pressure, you have no diamonds. Mm-hmm. But then when you have the diamond, then you need to sharpen yourself in every single facet because it just creates more value for the community that you're a part of. And so that's what we're doing with the girls. Our nine-year-old daughter, yeah, she watches the council meetings. And like you said, it's not a, oh, she is the greatest cheerleader. 
she watches it and then she takes notes on every single council meeting when i get back home she gives me the notes said daddy these these are the notes i didn't I don't know why you said this, 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 and this. Can you explain it to me? What was this vote? Why did, why are they transferring money from this fund to that fund? What does that mean? Like she's legitimately intrigued about it. Same with my uh, 12-year-old, same with the 15-year-old. So it's it's just a matter of knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement and learning every single day. You mentioned that in, in as a senior was when you started learning about all these things. Yeah. I, I, I mean... My goal is I want my girls to be multimillionaires by the time they're my age, but I want them to make their first million by the time they're coming out of college. Yeah. So how do you do that? Why are why are certain cultures um, pronounced and renowned for having wealth over wealth over wealth over wealth? It's because they teach them while they're younger. So, you know, here's a little tidbit. If you want to see your kids break the cycle of poverty, um, you are in real estate. Start buying properties that are duplexes and put it in the kid's name mm -hmm. start a llc under the kid's name and teach them hey this is you know so by the time that they get to college or something they own duplexes or quadplexes and they're getting a residual income that way they can focus on their study of expertise because i don't want them to go into the business that i'm in would you be open to it if they wanted to? If they wanted to, yeah. Yeah. But you, I mean, you're not like, you're not grooming them to go in. I'm grooming them to be successful um, assets to whatever community they become a part of, upstanding citizens. Um, now, like, so when you go home and your daughter says, gives you notes, so some of that is learning for her purely, like, maybe I don't understand this, you know, because like I said, mm -hmm. as a nine-year-old, that's very advanced top. I mean, even I would say most adults is advanced topics. Um, and then is some of this, some of the time that she gives you this, is this putting like her perspective on it and allows you then to look at it from a younger perspective, a, you know, probably a, you know, a few years older. And then even hearing Whitney's perspective on it and saying, okay, here's, here's, different ages, different experiences, different backgrounds, uh, different life events that might cause them to think this or even ask the questions. And then it allows you to then look at different perspectives and say, okay, I, I like that. Might you, hey, I figured out this, my nine-year-old put it in very layman's terms, you know, in, in a, you know, a young person's mind. And then it just made more sense. Like, why are we overcomplicating something so simplistic? Exactly. So the reason why, in truth be told, my nine-year-old daughter is also my proofreader. If she can't understand it, I rewrite it. So um, the other thing, too, is now being on the council, the decisions that we're voting on are going to impact her more. Yeah. So I need to hear from a nine year old. How does the, what are these decisions? How are they going to impact her? OK, um, from that also back to the proofreading thing and putting it in layman's terms, there's legitimately a federal law that states you have to put it in layman's terms, whatever legislative uh Whatever anything legislative coming across is passed, it has to be put in terms for the commoner. Well, if that's the case, she's nine years old going into fourth grade. Congratulations. That's also the median uh, reading comprehension level. Nine-year-old, fourth grade. So uh, to hear and understand, I mean, she, and again, she's brilliant. She's She knows numbers like nobody's business. I mean, she helps anybody with their math problems she's incredible but to hear from her vantage point how these decisions you know legislatively will impact her future 
I need to know about that because I'm not in city hall to make decisions to make Plattsburgh a better place for me. Uh, there's hardly anything here for children. Mm-hmm. And we want to get families, younger families into our region from bigger municipalities. This is this place is a hidden gem. You said that you love Plattsburgh and you've mostly been to this region. I've lived 17 years of my life outside of the United States of America. And I'm telling you right now, this is the prettiest and safest place that I've ever lived. It is a hidden gem. And I wish people here would believe that, understand that, and treat it as such. Um, what, what caused you to want to get on the council or, or go into a public position like that? Well, <clears throat> truth be told, I, I, it, was for, it was my daughters. There's nothing really here for the kids. And I'm an excellent leader. I've gone to some of the Marine Corps' most prestigious leadership trainings and schools and passed successfully. And I've held leadership billets throughout my whole entire career, no matter what industry it's in. And I I see where this municipality in particular are, has failed, um, in making the right decision. They're quick to make a decision for now, but not realizing the the second, third, and fourth level effects and the reverberating effects down the road of what those decisions um, have made. Case in point, we have this beautiful uh, parking lot down here, right it's outside. It's a great tarmac, yeah. It's a great tarmac, and you know, there's things that we could do with that, but because of a decision made 10 years ago, we're not allowed to move forward with this because it will impede on business on another portion of a property that is not municipality owned. And so seeing these things, I said, you know what? Uh, at the end of the day, sometimes if you want to see the change, you have to be the change. And that was the driving kind of force. Gandhi? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, I think or that be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, be the change that you want to see in the world. And I'm not going to get on that. My daughter, my oldest daughter will thrash me concerning Gandhi because apparently he was a misogynist and he was a, an abuser to women. Really? Yeah. So oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah, great saying. But at the end of yeah. the day, he was also a womanizer and everything else. Anyways. Uh, and, and she my daughter. I have three daughters. So yeah. no, it's <laughs> well, there we go. We exposed Gandhi. Her. Yeah, there we go. No, but, um, you know, the opp- I got a phone call uh, December 6th or 8th. This uh, past year? Yeah, of 2020. Hey, uh, Ward 1 counselor had to resign for for reasons that are not made, uh, you know, public. And I respect him for his decision. Um, but I got a phone call. Hey, Ward 1 council is open. You know, I know the mayor really well. Would you want to do that? And that's something that I was praying about. I was praying about running for mayor last year, the year before. Okay. And I was like, no, not now. I'm not going to run for mayor. I'm not going to run for mayor in the future. I think, uh, not I think, I know that Mayor Rosenquist is the best thing that's happened to Plattsburgh in a very long time. And yeah. I, I want to say that right here um, because he does not have allegiance to a party. He has allegiance to the betterment of our community and to the people and that's what matters. It, it doesn't matter if you're rep- Republican, Democrat, Independent, or whatever. Um, he wants excellence. And that's what matters. At any rate, um, I got interviewed by Mayor Reed. He liked what I had to say. 
And then next thing you know, I get a phone call a week later. Hey, can you be at the council meeting on Thursday? Bring your family dressed nice. I'm like, okay. So I brought my family dressed nice. They voted right there. Oh, this is the candidate. Swore you in. Yeah. Well, the next, excuse me, the next day was when I got sworn in, but they voted right there, put everybody on notice. Like, hey, we're going to vote this guy in the vacant Ward 1 uh, counselor seat. And I I won. Um, so... How long is that up for your your term? I am going for re-election this uh, November. this November. Oh, nice. I've been endorsed by the Republican and the Conservatives, and as well as the Democrats. I do need to speak to uh, working families, but um, yeah, I think it's cool. I, 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 mean, I remember when I heard about it. And I have no it was, party affiliation. Yeah, and I think um, well, we were talking about that earlier too. It's like I think over time especially as I start to experience more and learn more and stuff, it's like I find that a lot of my decisions is very, there's a lot of gray with me. It's it's in the sense of, I hate the polar polarizing stuff. There's always like different sides and, and I, I respect both sides and I kind of look at it and then I want to make a decision after kind of hearing it out and feeling it out and then I'm like, no, that's really how I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to have it be a, a red or a blue next to the, the tally. It's like, just tell it and then like, let me make a decision, say it that makes more sense. And then like almost lift it up and like, well, who agrees? What, you know, what party agrees with that? Mm-hmm. If I did that majority would be probably 50, 50 down the middle. And I've always, uh, especially local parties. Like I look at who's the person, you know, who's the person that's going to be there. What is their, um, not what they do. I mean, I guess what they do matters because if mm-hmm. you know, they have a, uh, position of success or, or something they've shown that success. But a lot of it is, do I think they're going to intense a big thing for me too? Like, are you doing it? And I, and I, I'm kind of a, a guider of like the golden rule. Like if I can just, if I can, yeah. Like if I can treat people the way I want to be treated, Mm -hmm. would I, and I thought about that a lot of times, like, should I do that? Or if I was to, I'm like, do that. I'm like, wait, if that was done to me, I would not like it. And then I don't do it. And then that's, and that's really guided me in a lot of stuff. And I find if I look at the person, I'm like, they, they might be inexperienced. They might have never had a public office position. They may, you know, um, you know, but I think knowing their mindset and knowing their intent or knowing how much say they love the area or say how much yeah. they, or what their thought process is, or also their future too. If someone's coming in for a couple of years and knows, yeah, I don't really want to be around the area, but I'll do it for a couple of years versus someone that's like, no, 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 I'm making decisions because I'm going to be living here in 20 mm-hmm. years from now. And I want to make sure that, like I said, my, my kids are, you know, thriving or our, our area is thriving for my children, not necessarily for me because we're living in it now. We obviously want to improve it, but yeah. Um, now the, uh, so back to, I kind of wanted to go back to like when you make decisions, when you, um, prioritize or triage what has to be done in a day, like what takes precedence? Is it like the fire that comes, which it could be, or are you very intentional of, um, I have a lot of things going on, as does Whitney, a lot of things going on. And anybody that runs entrepreneur, like you just mm-hmm. basically are putting out fires all day long. But do you, are you good about saying, I'm going to push all that aside and focus on this because it needs to be done because I want it to be done? Um, like one of the things I struggle with is like on business or in business. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to shift myself from not in business, but more on business. Like I want to be the person that affects the company to grow from here to here, mm-hmm. not be the person that makes it sustainable. I want to hire that out. And I want to, I want to then use Correct. that to leverage my ability to have a greater impact on a greater, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a greater area of the business or people or the community. So are you good about 
working on business versus in the business? I'm good at both. And again, it's a juggling act and it depends. So on the personal level of how do I prioritize my daily base uh, of uh, tasks? If I didn't finish, I'm great at knowing. And this took a very long time for me to learn. I've learned this amazing word and a principle. And it's also action. And it's spelt N-O. I've learned to say no to people. And so whatever I, and I've learned to say no to myself, I'm not going to push myself beyond a certain point. I'm not going to allow work to come home with me. I'm going to leave it right at that office. I'm going to say no. I'm going to leave it right at the office because I want to go home. I want to eat. I want to rest. I want to relax. I want to be with the girls. I want to be with Whitney. I want to do all of that stuff just to unplug from that. So the next day when I come in, whatever I ended with is what I'm starting with today. And I'm going to do it with the same intensity, the same excellence and everything else. Fires come up. Absolutely. Um, but when it comes to being in business or on business, I feel that you have to be both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a balance. You have to be in business because if you, you cannot, I'll put it to you like this. If I were to remove myself from being in the business of several of these businesses, I'd have to hire four or five different people. That's going to be a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I have to be in the business on that aspect, but then I have to be on the business to help the trajectory uh, continue to go higher. So that's where the research and development comes in. That's where uh, looking for diversification opportunities and everything else comes into play. So I find myself somewhere you know, in, in between, and it's a juggling act, and it is a balance act as well, and I'm, I'm trying to improve on it every single day. I don't have it down packed. I'm nowhere close to having it perfected, but uh, I'm becoming perfected in the process, so to speak. So it's just a matter of knowing your limitations. Again, going back to knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement. Um, sometimes I procrastinate, and... You just screw yourself at the end of the day. So I try my best not to procrastinate. Uh, Perfect example, I started my own um, clothing line for T-shirts and everything else. And I had enough sales that I was able to white label from this multi-billion dollar company to then make my own where I have no out-of-pocket expenses. Is this still going on now? Yes. This is what I'm saying. Like, yes. like describe Jimmy. I'm like, I, I, I can kind of, but yeah, like, is this legitimate? Me, like, I mean, I say legitimate, but this is like, you're actively doing this right now? Right now, right now. Let me, let me pull it up for you real quick. I mean, this is stuff for sale. Yes. I got to see. I, I did not know this. Have I seen you wearing some stuff? You might, you might have, you might have. Let me see. Come on. Cause you're, I would say you're a, uh, can I call you, a, I don't want to say flashy, you're not a flashy dresser. You're like, you're more, uh, you if dress I, different than most people around here. If I have to dress up, I'll dress up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've seen, let me see. I've You've seen, seen the giant slayer. You've seen the defund the demonic one. Cause yes. those are the ones that I wear. Yes. And I have new designs Ooh. that I'm about to be putting out. Culture changer. Yeah. I'm redoing that shirt. Uh, I'm going to be redoing the carnivore Christianity one. Um, I have another one that's Jeez. coming out that says, <laughs> I'm not going to say what it says because I don't want anybody else to steal it. No, 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 no. <laughs> But I've got, I got a few Keep new designs. Keep your R&D to are, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, I didn't know. I didn't know that was actually your own company. I saw you wearing them too. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I must have bought it somewhere. So, okay. Yeah, I, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love it. It's like, well, I need it and I want it. I'm just going to start that company. So exactly. The, uh, so when, when you, when you break down, um, when you talk about like, uh, like R and R or work, do you, do you take like, Hey, my evenings, I, I stop at this time, no matter what, like, do I work on, do you work on weekends? Do you, um, I personally try to limit my evenings and I try to put most of my stuff on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where I'm, um, responsible for people. I guess I mean, like yeah. I'm meeting people, I'm going out and doing stuff Monday and Fridays. I'm still working, but I try to have a little less, um, uh, what, what's it called? I, I don't want to be accountable to anybody those days yeah. as much. And then Saturday, Sunday, I really try to just do family the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you break up your week or day? Uh, or do you not need a lot of R and R? Like you kind of, Oh no, I need all the R and R that I can okay. get. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get that when you have so many responsibilities. Yeah. So, um, Thursdays are, I try my best for Thursdays to be my me day. So like tomorrow I'm going to Albany to go get my hair cut. <laughs> nice. Because I don't, there's no barbers here that can cut my hair really, really good or how I want it. So I, I have a friend that is a really good friend of mine who's uh, born and raised in the Bronx. Like a New master York. barber? He's, he's a ma- he has his own barber school and everything in Albany. So I just go to Albany and I'll be there tomorrow. Uh, and while I'm there, I'll probably go get some ramen noodles right down the street from Colony uh, Mall, which is an excellent ramen noodle place. It's really authentic. And then I'll come back home. Oh, I got to go to Restaurant Depot to go get some bottles of water and stuff like that. But Thursdays are usually my day of just for for me, mm-hmm. you know, to really just unplug. Um, Saturdays, we just finished our last uh, conducting our last uh, marriage for this wedding season. Wow. So uh, we did three weddings this in the last month. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. I did see that on Facebook, right? Yeah. Yep. So we're done with weddings. So this Saturday will most likely be the first Saturday that we've had off this year. Um, so I'm pretty happy about that. We're going to try to have, you know, we, we try to do pockets of time where if we don't have anything really pressing or going on and we're going to be homeschooling the girls this coming year, we're going to be able to travel more. Okay. Uh, so you have to be intentional. If you make time to work, you need to make time for what's important. And while the your profession is also your provision, you wouldn't have either of those without your family. And so family time is extremely important. We do have family dinners almost on a probably three or four times a week. We're eating dinner with... All five of you? No, no, no. With uh, Claude and Maria, oh, so with the, oh, uh, my my sister in law, my brother in law, and Whitney and I and our daughters. Wow. Okay. We do that like two or three times a week. We definitely do it on Sunday. Sunday dinners are a tradition in our family, you know, since inception, and it's just for us to come together, cook everything. That's a big event too. That's like you make the. the- We're amateur chefs. Okay. I, like uh, I, that's not what Whitney told me. She yeah, said you no, make a good uh, salmon. Uh, I make an excellent salmon. I make an excellent ribeye. You made fried uh, chicken one time too. I was watching that live video. I make an excellent fried chicken. There's not much that I don't make that's not excellent. So, how do you make a ribeye? 
Okay, so it depends on what type of ribeye. If you're going to be doing a tomahawk ribeye or if you're going to be doing just a regular bone-in ribeye or if you're going to be doing a boneless ribeye, it completely depends. The first thing is it has to be room temperature. There's people that will, or if you want a dry rub or if you want to marinate it, then let it dry and then do a dry rub on top of it. Um, there's so many different things that go into play with it. Like, So what's your, are you, because uh, I, I used this uh, cast iron the other day and did like a one on, kind of like on the stove, but then I basted it and I like seared uh, yeah, it. Yeah, almost, like, almost. Was it a ribeye or was it a fillet? T-bone. T-bone. So, so you have the fillet on one side and you have the strip on the other, the New York strip. So the smaller side is the fillet mignon. And what you basically did was a Chateaubriand which is uh, just butter basting. You could have used rosemary, garlic, garlic rosemary and everything. Thyme, yeah. Yep, so the Chateaubriand. And then what you usually do with that is you sear, sear, and then you put it in the oven and you do a low roast uh, in the oven. Then you bring it back out and you let it rest. So here's a little trick. If you want it rare, you just touch your pinky. Or oh, your, yeah, your, yeah. Yeah, so it's... The, the, the thumb pad. The, yep, yep, the thumb pad. So that's that's what you do to find out and then, so this is rare. This is, or this is medium rare. I'm sorry. This is medium. This is medium well, and this is well done. How, what, what do you take for steak? Medium rare is the only way. Yeah, same. Rare to medium rare. Uh, if it's not bloody, it's, I'm not eating it. The, uh, so if you were to take a ribeye, you would do the cast iron, or do you like? Or I what's definitely. Your, what's I love to do the cast iron. I love to do the cast iron. So what I do is I actually use ghee butter. I don't use regular okay, butter. Yep. I do highly ultra clarified ghee butter um and i put it at probably because it has a high smoke point but you don't want to get it to smoking you want to get it to probably 375 when you get it to 375 you're cooking this on what in the cast iron no on the stove okay on the stove and this is another thing too if you're doing it uh on an electric stove it cooks differently and uneven if you're doing it on a gas stove it cooks completely even and faster yeah so you have to be very do you have a gas stove we have right now we have an electric i can't wait to get it gas stove I, i miss it um so uh first things first the steak has to be at room temperature okay don't Take something from marinated and well, I seasoned it and I pull it out of the fridge and now I'm going to put it on the grill. That's what makes it dry. Okay. Uh, or on the cast iron. That's what makes it dry. So let it come to room temperature. I, if I'm going to cook a ribeye or something, I bring it out uh, on the morning of and I just let it sit out. Oh, so for hours. Yeah. I, okay. I, I'll just put it in my sink basically because yep. the sink keeps the, the cool of whatever your, your room temperature is. So when I get home, if I'm going to throw it on the grill or on the cast iron in two hours, I then move it from the sink to on the stove on a plate or uh, the counter on a plate. And I just let it get room temperature. Once it's at room temperature, I have a meter, like a thermometer. Yeah. Once it's at room temperature, I look at my thermostat 72. Okay, this is at 72. Then you're going to get that really nice searing. And all I do is salt, peppered, and freshly ground rosemary that is it i don't do nothing else that's all i use and i'm telling you right now it is the most incredible steak ever so when you go okay so i I gotta try this that's why because i'm like i just got we just got a bunch of new cast iron pans and i used to cook it as a kid but like i do like eggs i wasn't doing steak so now i'm like trying to like up my game a bit so the ghee butter when you put it on what you you don't put it up to the burners on the high. 
No, probably you want seven you, or eight. You want to put two thirds high, medium high. Yeah, you'll probably put it at like six and a half. Okay. For gas, put it at like six and a half, and don't let it smoke. But make sure everything's good. And once your steak is at room temperature, you're gonna salt it real quick. And what the salt does, it it, it draws out mm-hmm. the wetness. So once you see it draw it out, pat it, resalt it, and put pepper, and then immediately put it on the ghee butter. And then it goes in the ghee butter. How often do you flip it? How how many times do you flip it? So you do the three, four, five rule. Three minutes on the first side, four minutes on the second side. You let it rest for five minutes. It's medium rare. Okay. And that's no oven. That's just straight up. That's straight straight grill or straight cast iron. Three, four, five. I gotta remember that. Three. This is, see, I'm going to actually just re-listen to this. This is like, <laughs> what, what's the time stamp when Jimmy starts talking about meat? Um, so what? So what, where did you learn how to cook? Um, so the first time I cooked my mom, my mom is an excellent cook. I'm Puerto Rican and, uh, she's been teaching me how to cook since I was 10. And then I really learned how to cook once I got married to Whitney and Claude, my stepfather-in-law is like, when I tell you he, he's a cook, he's, 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 he's like chef, chef status. Yeah. So whenever I go over to his house to cook, I I have my like own a sous chef kind of. Yeah, I'll be his his sous chef. I'm great with sauces. I'm great with marinades. I'm great with you know, pastas and rices and everything else. He's good at everything. Like excellent. Hey, I have an idea. We're gonna make this, and this is what we do. This is, you ask how we balance and everything. We cook often with each other because that's the one thing where our minds just go blank. And we're able to just do it with love and passion and everything else. And you can taste the difference in our food. And so he's the one that taught me a lot of the techniques and things that I know now. And then I just started venturing off into red meats and everything else. But um, my favorite meat to make is uh, prime rib. And so it's what's phenomenal. prime rib? What kind of meat is that? Prime rib is, just, is, is the ribs. It's all, it's all the rib eyes. But you can have it with the bone in, or you can have it without the bone. I prefer without the bone because it reduces the cook time significantly. So prime rib is, is different a roast. than a ribeye? Yes. Okay. So a, a, a ribeye is essentially the prime rib without the bone, and it's one slice. Wait, the ribeye is the prime rib without the bone? Yeah, the prime rib is just one steak. Gotcha, okay. It's not the roast. The roast is like, I think it's like eight, eight ribs, Okay. essentially. And it's like this big, it can, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's huge. So and, prime rib is your favorite. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you cook that? That's a secret. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not. That, Cause I, well, like, I look at like prime rib typically is not. So it, what it's people. It's a little, it's like softer, it's juicier. It doesn't have like it, the, you don't have the, uh, the coating or the crisp or the, the. Mine has the coating and the really? crisp. Mine has the coating and the crisp. And sometimes if somebody wants that nice sear on top of it, I'll do exactly what I told you for the other one and do it really fast. And it just really solidifies the flavors. Just a little crunch on the outside. And just a little crunch. But where the outer layer, mine definitely does have a crisp because while other people will do like butter, rosemary, and garlic, and a little salt and pepper in the butter and mix that together and then slather it on top of their prime rib. I use a different base than butter, something that's not going to just liquefy. Which is the ghee. No, I don't even use ghee. I won't tell you what I use. Okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> it's a secret. No, that's all good. Um, and, and Whitney's a good cook? Whitney loves to eat. Okay. 
Uh, Whitney is a good cook. She makes the best enchiladas that I've ever had in my life. She, but I love to cook more. Okay. So since I love to cook more, so I'm that's doing that. that's more of like your outlet. It's kind that's one hundred percent passion project kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Whitney girl- is a more uh, is a better builder than I am, uh, like construction. Okay. I know it's, I know people, but no, I mean like, like household projects and stuff that household projects. Um, she's like physically like hammer, nail screws. She's the, she's definitely the best demo person. I've, I've never seen someone demo something so fast in my life than Whitney. I mean, she could, she's got other stuff to do. Yeah, (laughs) but she, yeah, exactly. But she does great demo. She's like an amateur plumber. She actually knows how to lay proper plumbing pipes and everything. And she knows how to do, you know, proper structural integrity to buildings and stuff. It's, it's insane, but um, it's like we ventured into the construction portion of which we also have a construction company, Integrity yeah. Builders, um, and we ventured into that based off of our need of a plumber, a carpenter, an electrician, and we just learned to do it on our own. And yeah, um, where do you think that resourcefulness came from? Where you guys are, you know, like I said, it's this is where entrepreneurs are. This yeah. is why there's entrepreneurs because where there is a uh, problem. I, and I, this is my saying, don't come to me with a problem. Come to me with a solution. We are solution based. We're, we are a solution based couple and we're a solution based enterprise. So where there is a problem, Hey, we need someone to do high end finishes. There's no one that will do high end finishes without putting the 80 K spin on it with the, you know, it's like always the same type of, woodsy stuff not high-end craftsman finishes mm-hmm. so uh like i showed you earlier i did a wayne stop wall or whatever yeah wayne's stop. coating yeah wayne's coating that yeah. thank you i don't even know what it's called i just know that i can do it yeah, yeah. so no, gorgeous yeah <laughs> whitney showed me what she wanted and i'm like i could do it better so i did it better than what she showed me and it, it's incredible so it's out of a need and this is where people need to uh, understand that they can legitimately do anything. If there's a need and you know that you can do it, then why not do it? How do you learn this stuff? YouTube. That's what I'm saying. Is it just, <laughs> no, but it's self-taught, like YouTube, Google? Uh, YouTube, That's Google. That's what I learned, but it's... But I'm an artist uh, by nature. I've been... I'm an excellent drawer. I, I've, I've been writing poems. I can sing. All of this I stuff. get to the singing. Yeah. You like, got a great voice. So. I can, yeah. So, I mean, and that, all these things were gifts, but I'm an extremely artistic and creative individual. So, to me, everything is artistry. I look at cooking as artistry. I look at doing epoxy floors as artistry. Painting as artistry. Uh, doing the trim is artistry. How many of your tattoos have you designed? Almost all of them. Really? Mm-hmm. That's I'm so the thought. Cool. I'm the thought baby behind all of my tattoos. That's so cool. You said you had about a hundred of them. Yeah. Um, how many hours of oh. sit time do you think you have? Just in the last year, on. Um, I was gonna say you look like you, that's more fresh right there. The oh course. yeah. Uh, all of this. I think just on this arm in the last year, I have about forty hours. Wow. Thirty where, or forty. Where, hours. Do you, where do you go? Body art, Dennis Smith. Shout out. Right in town. Right here in town. Now, how many how many has he done of yours? Uh, he's done almost this whole entire. He's done sleeve. Yeah, he's almost done this whole entire sleeve. Um, this I got in Mississippi. This I got in North Carolina. This up here I got in Virginia. This I got in Virginia, but everything else I got here. So when when you look at a, I don't have any tattoos, but if you look at like tat- yet yet I don't yet. think I'm gonna get one. I don't think I'm gonna ever yet. Get one. Remember that's my favorite. The uh, yet. but when when you look at tattoos. Um, do you start off 
like you don't really have the end in mind. It's just more of you start with stuff and then you just blend it in as like life happens and things become meaningful to you. And because I doubt you go get a tattoo just because you think it looks cool. There's got to be probably some type Mm-mm. of, you know, thing uh, or meaning behind what you want. So the artistry and the, like this whole entire theme on this arm is uh, Whitney's middle name is Sky S K Y E. Yep. So that's why all we have Sky Lar, we have Sky Calm, we have Sky Soft. Those are Whitney's. It's Whitney's name. Um, and in the in the aeronautical industry, there's not a lot of women, and so it's just like the sky is perfect. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, um, but this whole entire arm is dedicated to Whitney. I mean, I've got her name right here. It's, oh yeah, yeah. It's the sky, but then it's also the universe. She's the center of my universe. And then uh, this is for the girls. They're delicate, but they're also my arrows. So each one signifies their favorite color. What, what colors yeah. do you have there? I have blue, uh, magenta, and green. Um, and then the Puerto Rican flag. The Puerto Rican flag. Is, I'm Puerto is, Rican. Is Whitney Puerto Rican? No, Whitney is. Okay, here we go. She is <laughs> Spaniard, Aztec. Uh, so she's Spaniard, Mexican, um, black, and Jew, German Jew. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's quite a blend. Yeah. Have you ever done the? Uh, was it 23 me? Oh yeah. And it all says everything that I just said. She said, you know, well, when I did it, like my, my, my mom's side of the family's from Ireland. So it almost to the like mile marker of where my, my grandfather grew up, which was insane because it was just, I mean, of course he, um, he's, well, he's since passed, but he's, he was, he'd be almost a hundred. So like you yeah. look at like that lineage, it was, it kept breaking down like directly where he was oh, from. Yeah. And it's so cool. Um, I have Norwegian in me, which is weird. Wow. I don't know where that came from, but yeah. I mean, it's just kind of funny when you actually break it down of like what you are. It's French, it's Irish, it's English, and it's uh, Norwegian. So yeah, you got a little bit of Viking in you. Yeah. So maybe that's where I grow the good, I can yeah. grow a good beard. Um, so the uh, now, do you have a lot of time in your life to create time? Like I say creative. I was listening, I was listening to another podcast and um, I listen to Joe Rogan podcast quite mm-hmm. often and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you know the, yeah. the astrophysicist? I love, he's, such oh, he's a, awesome. Yeah. He's a fantastic guy and brilliant. And, um, one of the things he, that hit really hit me and actually like screen recorded him saying it, like to, to kind of go back to, but he goes, the problem is people don't create and don't make time to create. And he goes, if you make time to create, then you don't get everything done. But he goes, that's fine because you need time to challenge yourself and yours might be cooking, but do you have time just to and this is a, this is what I struggle at. Um, and I, I think it will get better as my kids get a little older because right now there's a lot of, you know, they're young and, but I trying to get that time where I can just do and I can learn because I find mm-hmm. the last probably two years, my learning has gone down. Mm-hmm. Meaning I haven't taken the time to learn. Like I used to, I like to read. I like to watch a lot of videos. I like to, in, I just like to take information in and I haven't had the chance to do that. And I want to get back to like, getting into that, but do you find time in your day, in your week, um, to just create like, so and create can be a bunch of different stuff. I mean, I, I try my best on a daily basis to create something, whether I'm doing graphic design, whether I'm finishing up one of the five books that I have not finished writing, but they're all, they're probably all going to be released at the same time because I've got all of them almost same theme. No. Totally different books, like yeah. a non-related. Completely. Okay. Completely. Um, 
I need to do a better job of creating time. I need to make time for creative time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I live my life in a manner of everything. I have to look at everything as creativity. Everything that I do, like I said, I'm an artist. So I, I look at every problem and everything as creating solutions. So I do my best to create something. And then I hand it off to someone that's a subject matter expert in it for them to make it you know, the, the fine tuning and you're good at that delegation part. Absolutely. Uh, I need to become better at delegating to people, but yeah. Um, I mean, you must delegate quite a bit without everything run. I mean, you don't run these, you don't run all the, this is what we've run into. Uh, we do run all of that and this is what we've run into. And I was just telling my dad this today. Um, sometimes you just have to do it yourself because the paid help that you pay for, gets it halfway done because I don't have the same passion, the same drive as you to take on the vision that you have. And so finding people that are visionaries with you that won't feel um, jealous or contentious towards you, but is able to put their dreams on, on the shelf just for a little bit in order for you to, to facilitate your dream becoming a reality is crucial. It's essential, and those people are far few and in between. But if you find them, you need to do your best to keep them. So we manage and drive and do a vast majority of this. Now we're at the point where we're trying to bring in people that can unbiasedly and unapologetically take on the things that we are creating to see it to a successive end. But it's very hard. It's very hard because jealousy gets in the way. Um there's just a lot of different things. What, what, uh, how did you, like you said, at age of 25, you were, you were head of hundreds of, of, uh, military men and women. Like how, how do you get to that position? Like that, what, what do you think was the, the rise to, what, how old are you? 30, 37, 37. Yeah. So, um, having done a lot and having managed a lot and had the leadership capabilities and I would still, you know, deem you a young professional. Mm-hmm. So when you look at all this stuff, it's like, how do you think you had such a quick rise into some of those positions that probably some of your, someone 10 years, your probably someone your age right now would be doing that. Not someone at 25. So one, um, hunger, uh, learning from others experiences and from their triumphs initiative, dedication and a can-do attitude positive mental attitude that's what was able to make me i was able to take everything that i've ever wanted to do and put it on the shelf for others to be successful that that's in uh in personal life professional life military politics um ministry it's legitimately, I've used that in every, and I've been so well at it that people, like I said, I'm an idea creative and I, and I just get these creative ideas out of nowhere, but then I pass it on to the right people because while it may be my idea, I don't have the finances or had the finances at the time to see it come to fruition. So being able to give that idea and being okay to give that idea to someone else for them to be successful because they have the resources to see it to completion. So uh, you cannot be competitive towards others at all. So this is still like beat Jimmy from yesterday. Just yeah. like, just better, just better. Like I'm uh, not I, the biggest driver, you know, everybody needs just enough of F you fuel. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> in their tank to push them, yeah. you know. But for me, it, it's been, it, while that may have been my hard intention initially was, oh, you say that I can't do that? Well, in my last name, it's Canalis, so the word can is in there. Mm-hmm. But also anal is in there. And I'm very much a very meticulous individual. So uh, I, I would take that oh, I can't do that. And then I would use that to prove others wrong instead of just trying to improve myself. So that has since gone and I just take initiative. Are you a perfectionist? No. Okay. Good. Perfection is never attainable. I'm an excellent person. Yeah. And I, I, what, I have a, there's a book I had and it had to do with another topic with the book. book was called Pursuit of Excellence. And because the same thing, it's like you can't obtain perfection, but you can pursue excellence every day. Every day. And it makes more sense because you can still, ex- excellence has leeway to be not perfect, you know, yeah. but you're pretty damn close to being, the, you know. The best of your ability, given the circumstances and the resources allocated for that project, is excellence. Now, what happened, and I'm going to use uh, working out again for an example. Say you go and you lift weights and you know, like, Jimmy's like, hey, I can squat X. And then maybe you go into the gym and say, you know what? I'm tired. I haven't ate. I haven't had to drink water. I've had a lot on my mind. And I know today I'm only going to hit X minus 15%. Do you, are you someone that would look at that and say, you know what? My, my excellence today is 85% of my all time best. But for today, knowing that I'm not fully there, I'm at least going to make sure I give the 85%. I would get a good spotter. And put five more pounds on my personal best and do it one time and then do drop sets from there. So you're just that one where it's like that, that doesn't, cause I, I've actually, cause I thought about that. Like if there's days where I just feel like tired, lethargic, like there's just like, I'm just off. It's just not like, like to me, I look at, I take anything that would require a lot of effort, a lot of brain power, a lot of strategic thinking. And maybe that's like, okay. I'm going to do something that I can do that's maybe not as, as um, see, I want to say challenging, but it's not going to take as much energy for myself today mm-hmm. because I just, I don't think I have it in the tank today, but then I want to like get past it. So I'm not saying I'm not punting the day, but I'm just going to get what I can today, knowing that come back tomorrow a little better and then work on it. No, I'd rather be more sore tomorrow than regretful tomorrow. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll work towards the soreness and, you know, I've trained several professional fighters, whether it's in the UFC or in glory kickboxing and everything. And when I have trained them, I've gotten the best workouts out of them on those exact days where they're just, whether they're battling the flu, whether they were, you know, uh, had upper respiratory infections or whatever. I got the best out of them on those days. So talk about that. So so the fight for your fighting background, I say fighting, yeah. martial arts or, or uh, yeah. jiu-jitsu. Is it jiu-jitsu? I have uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. I'm a Muay Thai crew, which is a Muay Thai master, so to speak. That's uh, <laughs> what I'm saying. This is I, just have like... three, I have three world uh, champions underneath my belt. One of them I took, uh, having never done Muay Thai in three months, made him a world champ. Uh, he was 17 years old. Took him to the world uh, for WKA. Where did this start out? I've been doing, so I started doing Muay Thai back in 2004, my first deployment to Afghanistan. There was a Thai American that was uh, a lieutenant in the Marine Corps, and I was a PFC, and I saw him uh, hitting the bag over there, and I said, I, can you teach me this? Can you teach me Muay Thai? He's like, yeah, I'll teach you. So he taught me Muay Thai, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. You're so still actively doing it today? I'm still actively doing it today. 
Really? Yeah. Where do, you, do you locally? Is it? I go I mean, wherever I, anybody wants to learn. I mean, because I've been. Saying, do you like? Do you have a like in your garage? Do you have a setup or your basement or do you? Go so to the I gym? had a gym when I was in D.C. and I still have all the gym equipment. Uh, I had a I had a really nice gym in D.C. Um, so I still train Muay Thai. I still teach it. Uh, just not a lot of people know that I do it. Like, so um, you post every once in a while. Like I, I saw a couple times where you'd be some guys like you know, pose. You say posing, but you know, you're just taking a picture together. Yeah. Um, but but you're, are you still act? I mean, local people, or do you, or do you do kind of from a distance, or some um, people might send you footage of the of different um, techniques that you go over. So I'm the one that actually sends the techniques to people to go over because I have several, you know. <laughs> I have I in, I'm an instructor trainer so I I instruct trainers I make trainers better trainers so uh there's like a, I'm also a USA boxing coach certified for the USA boxing team um so you box too yeah where I grew up Fort Huachuca is where the all-army boxing team uh trains really yeah so I box I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu I do Muay Thai um, I've done Krav Maga, I've done Budo Tai Jitsu, which is legitimate ninjutsu. Um, the list goes on and on and on. So how, what age did you get into? I mean, uh, 2004 was, uh, Muay 2004 Thai. was Muay Thai, but I had been doing boxing and Taekwondo since I was like eight. Really? Was yeah. That parents involved or siblings or any cousins? Or? My, my mom and dad let me get to my yellow belt and then we moved cause we were moving around nonstop. But, uh, you know, my mom, had a coworker who was a legitimate ninja. <laughs> he was like a legitimate, like third degree black belt in Budo Tai Jitsu. And he would teach me every now and then stuff. And then I would just watch movies and mimic it. And, you know, just like every kid want yeah, to be like, like Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee movie or something. Yeah. And then uh, when I got into uh, high school, when we moved back to Arizona, I started more heavily going to the gym and training under um, Mr. Figueroa who was Mark Figueroa, my good friend, uh, Mark, growing up. His father was the the boxing coach over for the All-Army boxing team. And I don't know if he still is or not, but I would train with them, and I would just hit the bag and do focus mitts and everything. And that just continued on until I joined the Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps, you have Marine Corps Martial Arts Program, which is hand-to-hands combatives. And I got so good at that that I ended my career teaching hand-to-hand combatives to DIA, CIA, FBI, uh, you know, MARSOC was Marine Special Operations to Navy SEALs, you name it. But you're out of that now. I still teach them. You still? Yeah, really? Yeah. I still I still have guys that are in all of those three-letter agencies that I still teach and train. Um, uh, I've done the Northern Capital Region SWAT Association. I've trained them for D.C. SWAT. I've trained the, Marine, uh, the, the President's um, Security. Secret Service, you mean? No, the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. So he has his own SWAT team. I've trained uh, the Marine Corps SWAT team. I've trained... Wait, the President of the United States has his own SWAT team? Yeah. In the <laughs> Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps. Yeah, and he also has dog handlers. It's called HMX-1. So it's like uh, his helicopter that he goes on. Yeah. They have dog handlers. They have a SWAT team. They have everything. Uh, you know, uh, what is it? SRT. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I've trained them. Uh, I've trained federal police at Dahlgren in Virginia which they're in charge of uh, watching over the asymmetrical warfare training center. So when you're training these people, I mean, you're still a young guy doing this. So there mm-hmm. must be a lot of people that are over your age, younger than you, like a mixture. Oh yeah. It's, so it's still there's that leadership. Like you just, just something you have. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, 
he's written some books. I've listened to him, but Jocko Willink. Absolutely. Um, because Jocko was Navy SEAL. He was a Navy SEAL. Um, so like a dichotomy of leadership and uh, extreme ownership and those, mm-hmm. those books. So I, I find, and I've never like taken any like leadership from you, but just seeing like how you've done stuff and how you carry yourself and speak and articulate stuff, knowing that if it was focus on, Hey, Gion, I'm going to get you better. It'd be more generate like focus. And I look at like Jocko, he's just very straightforward. 100%. And I, and kind of what you said, the same mindset of like, if I just feel him like at 80% today, then I just try to hit 80% today. When you're and same thing with Jocko, he's like, remember, uh, he wrote something like, yeah, I didn't feel like doing heavy squats today. So I went and did heavy squats today. Exactly. And it was just that idea. I was like, cause I remember hearing it. I was like, wow, that's like so like cut out all the crap and just went straight towards like, mm-hmm. I just attacked my weakness and I got better. You have to know yourself and seek self-improvement. That's, yeah. that's, that's it. That's the mantra. And uh, do you think that's a military thing? Like, like, do you think, or do you think that you were, this is something that you inherently were born with that the military allowed you to express it or now the now business I believe that this is something that God just innately created in me mm-hmm. it's either now while more, more nature versus nurture like you just you, that yeah, came to you yeah uh, just being able to know my weaknesses because uh, you know I was a small kid growing up I was extremely small I wasn't always weighing 210 pounds and 6 foot I, mm-hmm. I wasn't it, <laughs> when I graduated high school I was 5 8 100 15 pounds. And then when I graduated boot camp, I was six foot, 155 pounds. And then from there, I just came more of a man kind of thing. You just grew e- into yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So I was a late bloomer, 100%. But I think that when you have an environment that is conducive for your full potential, which means it's going to be austere, it's going to be violent at times. It's going to be extremely abrasive to who you believe you are. It's it, in, Adversity introduces a person to their true self. And so when you put yourself in continual, austere, and adverse situations, it's the environment that's conducive for your future growth. Which, this, I had this conversation with um, a friend of mine this morning, and he was talking about, he's involved with like, youth sports and he yeah. said coaching youth sports he goes and he kind of has the mindset he's a more intense guy than me but he goes he goes if your kid strikes out and has an error in the field and you know whatever he goes you don't tell them it was a good game or if they lost you don't tell, tell them, them the truth yeah he goes and that's the problem he goes they, these kids like when I was I, I said the two best sports coaches I ever had there was a soccer coach and a basketball coach both of them knew the game there's, but there's a lot of people that know the game. They were able to articulate it and they were able to call it the crap. But it's mm-hmm. like, if we were underperforming, our soccer coach, who at the, the one I'm referencing, has the New York State record for state championships in soccer. We had zero state championships in 2004. We won our first in 2004. And between then and now, I think we have nine or 10. And and majority of the other years were in the finals or the or, um, semifinals. And the people always say, well, you know, they always win. They always win. I said, I look at sports teams that win a lot. I look at the Patriots. I look at all these teams that have won mm-hmm. and people hate. And I said, you can, you can hate any of these people. But I said, at some point, like you said, you're not a LeBron James fan, but I, I would still appreciate that LeBron James still has it in him to get to the finals. He had a string of like played in the finals. Every He's year. a great strategist and tactician. Yeah. And, and, but you can at least appreciate 
the mentality of like, I'm just going to be the best kind of like a Michael Jordan, kind mm-hmm. of like a Tiger Woods, kind of like I, Tiger Woods, I think is one of the most incredible ones at it. You look at some of the stats that he had, it, like nobody's even come close to that. Cause that guy just refused to lose. Mm-hmm. And, but it, telling like the sports coaches of they were on you, they made you work harder than you ever could. They pulled, they made basically they said they got the most out of you. And I remember the basketball coach that I had, we went in, we were terrible. Our school was not a basketball school. We ended up, we were basically one point away from going, if you, you look at everything that shook out, we, we could have potentially played in the state championship that year in basketball for a team that has never even like made it to like the semifinals of our, like our local league. You know what I mean? And that was in a year to the point where we're all like, yeah, well, this is our school. We're not a basketball school. And all of a sudden we got like midway through the season. We're like, we're a basketball school. Like we're yeah. a basketball team. And it was and it was that one year he came. Coach was like, a, I don't know if you've ever seen the Legend of Bagger Vance, the golf movie, but yeah. Will Smith came in one year, did a change, and then left, and the whole program died back out. It was that one. Like to mm-hmm. me, we had the players, but you had the leader. Yeah. So I mean, when it comes to, like, how do you how do you lead from that? Like I said, you tell the kids the truth. Like it's like, no, you didn't. You struck out twice. You, you, you and you overthrew first base, and they scored a run. I'll tell you like this: um, when we first had our first daughter. We would talk baby talk to her. Mm-hmm. And then this older Puerto Rican man that was a family friend pulled me to the side one day, said, if you want to raise a baby, keep talking to her like a baby. If you want to raise a good adult, start speaking to her like an adult. And that stuck with me. You speak to people honestly, honorably, and integrity. So if it was not your best game and I know what your potential is, I'm going to let you know. You have a lot of different things. You, you, you got some soul searching to do. What were the factors that were impacting your ability to be your best for today? Because I've seen your best and I've seen your worst and you were teetering in between. So just being able to be honest with people for them to own Hey, I let this get into my head or, and, and it's all of, it's a mind game. It, it's it, no matter what you do, you're playing mental chess. The battlefield is the mind. Mm-hmm. And if you can get outside of your mind and you, what I try to do is I try to hack people's minds by saying, Oh, you did a good job. However, you got to give them a praise sandwich. Good job. You sucked at this, but at the end of the day, you still improved Find you know, find the silver lining. But you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of coaches that only know how to grind people down. And then there's other people and coaches that only know how to lift people up. You need to learn how to grind people down and build them back up. And so that's where I differ. And that's my leadership style is I don't make people do anything that I have not done or that I wouldn't be able to do. What about, um, this is, this is another thing. If you, if you know they have potential, but they have to want to do it too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's take take your daughter for an example. If you're like, you know, she she wants to be she wants to go into law. She wants to be an attorney. If you were to push, I say push that. But if you were to try to do stuff to mold her to that, and she said, I really don't like that legal stuff. Would you at that point just say that's fine? But you want to be whatever she has interest in. Just be the best of that, not mm-hmm. necessarily. So it's kind of same example like. Sports are like, well, I, don't, I really don't care if I win the game. Like, then would you push it to say you should win the game? Or is it more at that point, the life lesson of like, I don't care if you want to win the game, but you should still be your best. And if your best isn't going to win the game, but your best is going to um, at least make you a better asset to the team, 
I'll tell you why losing is the best thing that could ever happen to kids. Because if you teach them how to lose, they know how to rebound and become resilient. Mm -hmm. If you have a championship team and a championship program and all they know how to do is be a champion, you're creating a narcissistic entitled person. So you have to learn from the fa failure is the and experience is the thing that you needed the mo the moment after you gained it, you mm -hmm. know. So you have to learn how to improve from your failures. Failure to me is not a failure. The failure is not learning or seeing the silver lining in the test and and where you can improve and everything. So what I try to teach the girls, what I try to teach other people is it doesn't matter what you're doing. Do it to the best of your ability, no matter what it is, no matter what industry it is. Mm -hmm. I know that at the end of the day, if I wanted to go into the industry of shoveling poop, I'm going to make my poop shoveling company the best one. Why? Because I'm going to give it the best of my ability and I'm going to research and, and dive into it and look at how to personally develop myself in a manner that's going to be successful for other people. So it's, again, it just full circle goes back to knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement. Last thing for you, Jimmy, before we wrap it up here. Yeah. What, what's your, what's your, I don't want to say hope because that's not your style. What, what is your, um, what is the future of Plattsburgh, the North Country? What's it look like to you? Uh, think Church Street, but better. Church Street being Burlington. Burlington. Think Church Street, but better. Um, I said... The very first time that I sat down with, with Aaron, I said, Plattsburgh, by the end of this, you know, by two years' time, will be in the top 10 uh, of financially wealthy places in New York. And guess what? It did. And then I said, watch, Plattsburgh is going to be probably in the top 20 or the top 10 of cities to move to in the United States. Guess what we just placed? 10? 10. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, I think a lot of it is people, it's intent, it's bringing new ideas, it's progressing, it's, it's evolving, it's being better. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's, that's something that is the first time I met you, the first time I met Whitney. And it was funny cause I had talked to Whitney basically through email yeah. for a couple, maybe 18 months, two years. Yeah. Didn't know who she was, just knew her name. And I was like, to me, she was just a name. So I was like, you know, she respond back here and there. And then you had responded to me or you had reached out a couple of years ago to me and that's the first time I met you guys. But then it was just something different. I was like, yeah. you just like something just vibed. And I was like, I like these people. And it was kind of like when I first met Aaron, I was like, we just connect and there's a mm -hmm. few other friends. And I'm like, I, I just really like that person. And I think a lot of it is I, I get, um, I get energy from you. I get, mm -hmm. I get, I get excitement I, or even validation of kind of like, I'm not the only yeah. crazy one that thinks this, like these people actually think it and are doing it and are walking to walk and, and, again want to express it out to more people and say listen like we have a good thing here we have the the uh the opportunities there to take and we just have to, we just have to step on the gas and you nobody, gotta step on the the yeah nobody wants to do yeah and yeah. that's what i like to do yeah that's great um all right jimmy i appreciate you coming on man thanks man i this appreciate you. I, I, a lot of these questions have been like formulating in my head and like i said everybody's you know busy and it's like you can't really take time to you know i, I picked your brain here and there but a lot of it is kind of you know there's a lot going on, but yeah. you, uh, you're, 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 uh, you're doing a great job and, uh, um, appreciate you, man. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad you're uh, in the positions that you're at. And I, I, I think you're, I think you're going to have a great impact on this area. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate like I said, it. I'll be here cause I'm not moving. So I'll be all good. All right. So, all right that's episode one, uh, 45 of the Galen Trombley show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show. 
If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.